In this episode, we're going to answer viewers' questions and recognize his comments that I apparently missed. Let's clean up my email, found some questions and comments. What they're about has to do with being tracked on the internet, wireless security devices, as well as COVID tracking. We're going to address those and give you a little military history trivia being June 6th and see what else we come up with. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. One of the questions I see most commonly asked on June 6th every year, and there's a lot of information out there, most of which isn't correct. Some is, though. Most of what I see, I only click on like five links forward wrong. doesn't matter. What is D-Day? What does that mean? D-Day and H-Hour are actually military terms for planning operations. D-Day, if you ask somebody what it is, most likely will always say invasion and army. They are not wrong. That will historically be the answer. That's a big part of world history. What the D and D day is, for those who are interested in military trivia, is a placeholder for a date. It's a way to show you don't get to know the date, or you know, but as a reminder, don't say it's June 6th. The H&H hour is a placeholder for the hour of the operations. Military operations, not all the time, but tend to be planned in a way to start at the top of the hour. So while there could be, and definitely will, on small unit missions in some cases, break down to minutes at certain time frames, most operations, even down like company, even sometimes platoon level, sometimes even the squad level, your hit time, as we call it, your H hour, if it is, will usually be on the hour, be 1300, 1700, 04, something like that. So that's why they do that. So in military operations, you can see things like D minus two. That means two days prior to D day, here's what should be happening. Here's what needs to happen. You know, H hour minus four, four hours before H hour, we're loading the vehicles and marshalling getting ready to hit our SP time, whatever it is. And then there's ones after the fact, D-Day plus one, D-Day plus four, H-Hour plus six, all the things that the unit's doing after the mission because there's other steps and things you have to do. There's a lot more involved in military operations than we see in movies. You know, in movies, it's, hey, let's go get the bad guy. Let's go rescue the hostage. Let's go do this. Go get your guys ready. We get the cool little montage of the guys getting ready, loading up on the helicopters or the tanks or their vehicles, whatever they're doing. They go do the operation. We're victorious. We come back, laugh, drink some coffee, have a beer. Not entirely accurate. There's a lot of steps involved, especially prior to an operation and different levels of things people have to do sometimes many days beforehand, as well as all the things that happen after operations, even simple recovery stuff. So that being said, I missed an email some months ago, late, late last year. I've read it several times. I was cleaning up my email today. It's like, I need to answer these questions because I've read it several times, mostly in the last week. While entirely possible, I've answered these questions. I don't believe that I did because I marked it as unread so that I would go back and looked at it. So this is from Rusty. Rusty, I apologize for taking so long. So Rusty starts off by saying, thank you for the great podcast. I enjoy your episodes on security, safety, and tips and tricks for preparedness. I think you offer a different perspective than the typical blogger expert, and it's refreshing to see some of the in-depth analysis given to data and how we ingest our information, something I feel most people are currently missing. Thank you very much for that. That's nice to hear those things. Let's me know what people like, what they're interested in hearing more about. He says, living very close to some of the summer social unrest, again, late last year, Always interesting to get another perspective. While I'm not listening to all of them, I have listened to most. I'm saving your for your recap of body language videos because I have not had a chance to go back and watch. Hopefully, I'll find time over the holidays. I have a couple of questions related to episode 40 and statements you made. First one, 
You specifically messaged, if you listen to your podcast, you are being tracked or monitored. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I said, if you're listening to this, you're being tracked or monitored. Is this a general statement of marketing analysis for advertising, or does it go beyond that based on your previous roles and subject matter? It has nothing to do with my history or what I talk about. Anything that was that serious, uh, you know, I'd get arrested or shut down or whatever would happen. There's not really, th it's more an urban legend than anything that because you listen to or subscribe to something with some type of content that you're automatically being tracked to follow. That's a legend. It's become legend. It's just a myth. There are times that happens due to ongoing investigations connected to people or organizations that do certain things. That's very real. But to think in general, no, absolutely not. What this is about is just digital tracking in general. Everything you do is tracked and collated somewhere, usually by a corporation, especially if you're using any type of electronic device. That's just part of life now. It's part of advertising, big part of it. It's tracking things that you do. It's always there and available for whatever method on how it gets to law enforcement if they ever needed it for whatever reason. There are good reasons for it. But whether or not anything's a good idea doesn't mean individuals handle it well. So, yeah, if you're tracking all this stuff on somebody and law enforcement gets their hands on it to investigate somebody because they took a kid, that's a good thing. But... How do people use that information is the part we'll never totally understand. And most people are already skeptical and made their decisions anyway. So no matter what's said about it, they've already decided. But anyway, generally it's marketing, it's analysis, it's things you do. It's just like anytime you've used a credit card because they've been in, you know, in existence as long as I've been alive. You know, that information is documented somewhere now, of course, digitally over the last few decades saying that this person made a purchase here. You know, I've used the example before that... They can get the information about you, whatever they have, however they work it out with a credit card company, whether they do or don't, and it tracks things like you went to this store, here's how often you go there, here's how long you were probably there for, here's the things you bought, here's the way in which you paid for it. They can do that to such a degree, and this has been true for a long time, that not knowing you at all and just looking at purchasing information in a grocery store, there's like a high degree of accuracy, very high degree of accuracy. I think it's way over 90% now of forecasting how you're going to vote, at least in major elections. There's enough information out there, whether you realize it or not, all kinds of things can be forecasted accurately. 100%, no, but very accurately, yes, because it matches other trends and things. So that's really all that is. It's just a reminder that almost anything we do today is tracked. You just have to accept the fact that's real and then decide what things are that important to you, which ones do you want to try to mitigate or stop, and which ones do you just need to let go and not stress yourself out about? The next one, he says, you touched on wireless cameras and security and specifically said these are problem areas and not products you feel are good to use. Is this due to the companies that are offering these services like Google and Amazon and their inherent marketing spin, collection of data and potential leak, or providing to law enforcement the usual dangers of securing anything wireless or anything or another reason? This piqued my interest and it seems like you were hinting at other reasons and probably could do an episode on the topic I probably would do an episode solely on that topic in more depth and detail if I could get anybody I knew available to come on and talk about it. The short version is you're mostly correct in how you wrote that. It has to do with those companies for most people. They're tracking your information, doing stuff with it. A lot of that information, what you said is true. And then there's always a question, how does law enforcement get their hands on it, et cetera, et cetera. 
The thing is, is wireless is a lot easier to hack for somebody that knows what they're doing. What you have to decide is how important is it to you? You know, wireless cameras are more convenient than anything, especially when they can go to your phone, you know, or like you have a Furbo because you want to feed your dog trees and talk to them. That's all cool stuff. Really cool. Really neat. Hardwired, harder to hack. That, that's the thing. The question is, does it matter to you? You know, are you realistically somebody that somebody else, good guy or bad guy, is going to want to put their time and effort into? So while there's things about wireless security that get better and better in technology, every time something improves, something else to combat it improves. If a firewall gets better, then the way to defeat the firewall gets better. And then another firewall gets better to defeat what defeated the previous version. That just happens all the time. They want more security. They learn things because of events that happen, whether it's, you know, some high school hacker or somebody tried to go after an oil pipeline somewhere, for example. So it matters more to people. I Well, I, I can't speak for you. I think it matters more for people that are high profile. Famous, you don't have to be pulling 5 million followers on Twitter. You could be famous and well-known in your town or city because of an elected position or volunteer position you hold. You could be in an industry that tends to be targeted for these types of things like celebrities, but also maybe you're involved in law enforcement and you want to provide less opportunity to protect yourself and your family for people to hack in and mess with you. As an example, you know, I don't think the military should even use wireless. And I I mean, even at their house, that's just me. So while it is more susceptible, it's also easier to use. So the thing is, if you're going to use wireless anything, first thing you want to do is all the research you can on the company and the technology they use, not the prices, not how cool it is or how far it'll see in night vision, what issues have been reported and documented for that company. And then if you can find anything out about the software and technology they use, search that stuff and see how the development of that's going along. And if you don't know how to do that, find somebody that's somewhat of an expert or a definite expert in cybersecurity or any of these features. When you're looking at wireless security cameras, the guys that install them know a little bit about installing them and what they're told to tell you, whether they believe it or not about security. You don't want that guy. You want a computer guy, especially somebody that knows about this stuff and knows how to get into things that can tell you, you know, whether or not it's good or what additional security features you can add to make it safer. I know guys that are computer dudes. They're not even like hackers. And you go to their house and see a firewall, you're not going to see software on a computer. You're going to see a shelf full of hardware devices connected to the computer system that is a physically connected firewall to protect their stuff because they know what's out there and how to do that. Now, again, doesn't mean everybody can afford that, but, you know, if you're going to pay the money for a security system, look into the security for that security system. The reason it's a bigger deal for security cameras than any other wireless device is... That camera system you have there for your security, that's for you at your home or business. So if somebody gets into there, you have a compromised security system. So unfortunately, you need a security system to protect your security system. This is how it works. It can be worse than having somebody get into your phone. A lot of personal information could be credit card information, emails, photographs you don't want out there. You know, all that stuff's very real. It's just determining, you know, how important is it? You know, if I owned a car dealership, I probably wouldn't run wireless cameras in it. It's a, you know, 
not a lot of cars get stolen from a car dealership, but there's a lot of money sitting out there in wheels. So you want to make sure nobody's stealing your stuff. It just depends on what it is. You know, like if you're own a convenience store and it's a place that is in an area or tends to get robbed or vandalized a lot, of course, security cameras are a good feature. Is that a place, an area where it's going to matter if it's wireless? Are the people that are doing these things or the area known to be people that are going to say, hack into your wireless so they can commit these crimes? Entirely possible, but is that reasonable compared to somebody in a different type of business or industry? That's the stuff you have to figure out what's most important to you. Wireless is dangerous. It will very likely always be dangerous, but you're not going to hear much about that because wireless is convenient. People sell products and not all wireless stuff is that dangerous. I was watching this thing today on a RV I was looking at buying. It has a built-in fridge freezer system and it comes with a wireless. It looks like a really tiny little remote that you put in your car when you're driving that through wireless or Bluetooth monitors the temperatures in your fridge and freezer. And if anything happens like an energy spike, something gets disconnected, temperatures change too much. So you can pull over and deal with it. Very, very convenient. If somebody hacks into that and fucks with it, all you do is lose that ability to use that device. It doesn't affect the rest of your life. So it's not really as big of a deal as a wireless or Bluetooth device as say your cell phone or security system. So that's kind of hopefully a better, more, a, a better answer, more detailed on what you should be looking at. What's really a realistic threat to you before looking into convenience. Last thing he says is I'm interested in your take on the current push to track COVID-19 through mobile applications. I know many states have recently launched these stating it tracks no personal information and nothing personal is ever given or collected. I call BS, but I'd like your take. Right. So one of the things about that, that was nice. Well, kind of had to go this way is like uh, if it's on your phone, it's an opt-in feature. Once they added it, you had to opt in yeah, because it's medical information. They can't just do that auto automatically because of privacy laws. You have to make that choice, and you have to consciously make that choice by hitting the buttons. So there's that upside. The other thing is if it was mandated and you had to do that and everybody had to carry a phone on them or had some chip implanted in into them beside all the stories and scenarios we could come up with that, Imagine how people would react when they start walking around and the thing goes beep, beep, beep. And they start, you know, making all these crazy turns in the mall or running away because too many people had it because it's silly. As far as stuff people are doing, I've heard stuff in other states from friends or family about how they're asking or trying to require proof that you've been vaccinated. Interesting thing about that, there are people that travel into other states or other areas in their state. Doesn't mean they're all using the same paperwork in the state. Definitely aren't between states. So how are they going to know that's legit? You know, that's a fun fact. You know, what can they really require? So, like, uh, they people went to court recently going after some businesses. They all lost because of a judge's ruling. It was basically, I'm going into a business. They asked me if I'm vaccinated. You know, that violates my rights. Well, it's determined and it makes sense. They can ask you that. Nothing says you have to answer. Um, there's that. The other thing is, I don't know how this is going to play out, but can they really require you to provide medical information because you're providing medical information to say you're vaccinated. Perhaps there's an emergency order out there, perhaps some law changes or whatever. Don't know the details on it. But that's going to be the first issue that comes up any place that it's already happened or potentially happen in the future is to say, who are you to violate my medical privacy? So the question thing didn't go anywhere, but now wanting medical documentation, 
that's going to be an issue that's going to end up in court somewhere. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to make this uh, a lot less painless because I've re-recorded pieces and deleted things. I'm not going to talk anymore about that subject. It's just going to be too far off what I'm designing this podcast for and cause too much issues and stuff I don't want to answer questions on. I do want to remind you about the OSINT challenge. And the reason I'm reminding you here is not just to do the challenge. It's actually to get on the Intel training page if you're not there. I got posts coming out today and I think tomorrow I'm putting more up there that has to do with the specifics of the challenge, but other information. The purpose of the challenge is sure. Yeah, maybe it'll tell me some information's out there that I haven't pulled down somewhere, but it's really to help you find ways with curiosity and a motivation for reward to do this type of search and see what's out there and what you can find. And so that you also do it on yourself so that you realize how much of your information is out there and you can determine what things you want to take down. You know, you go to Google or Spokio and they got your personal information. You can get some of that removed. They got photos of your house. You can get that removed. Those things like that can be done on certain websites. There's companies you can hire to do this, but it's very expensive. It's to realize what's out there and to find out that there are companies that whether they sell subscription services or not, just a simple search on information on yourself, what's available out there. And you may find like, oh, I did have that phone number address 25 years ago and realize that that's out there and then determine whether or not you want to take that down. Or you go to your LinkedIn account and you look at it and realize, well, what am I using LinkedIn for? And based on how I'm using it, how much of this information really is to my advantage to keep out there and what should I remove? You know, that's a good thing to look at. Or if you're looking at privacy settings on social media, you know, like even Facebook, probably the most <laughs> not private social media source out there, go into your settings, find that option to look at your page or profile or group as a viewer to see what are people seeing. You know, can you take your old public post down or, you know, how do you set that information? Can you be found in a search? And the thing is, the more of those features they add over the time, every time they do updates, especially on the apps, they take a lot of those options away. So if you're using apps on your phone, which is much better, much safer to not use apps for social media on a mobile device and to go straight to the website, if you are using those apps, go to a website on an actual computer where you see more than you do on that mobile device. Go into your settings and double check what all your settings are. So you have your general Facebook settings set down and then make sure you check your specific app settings so you know what information's out there because there are still ways around it. If you're on that Intel training page, you learn things on there about how to go in and search social media to find things that aren't supposed to be available because of how they claim their security settings are. So it's not that you're going to hide all of it necessarily, but what you can do is not make it easy. So think of it that way. Don't think of it as you're going to make it more difficult. Think it of the way it's designed makes it easy. How are you going to not make it easy for what you have that you don't want people to find out that's there? Maybe that doesn't matter to you. But there's probably something out there in the privacy arena of your home, your family, your kids, yourself, your business, something that you really don't want people to know that you wouldn't just freely give up to somebody at the checkout counter. Figure out what those things are and then go look for them. That's going to help you minimize you know, what's really going on. A lot of people worried about ad tracking and whether or not they're being recommended to buy something they just saw on Amazon when they went over to Facebook. Yeah, that seems creepy to some people. I get it two ways to look at that. One, if that's the only thing you're tracking and you're aware of and you don't think any of this other stuff is real, you need to re-look your entire security idea and what's important to you. For those that have done that and all you're left with is ad tracking, you're sitting in a pretty good place. That's a better place to be at than worrying about the fact that there's information out there talking about 
your kids and where they go to school and all these things that go on that we give free information about that we don't realize. Now, that being said, don't forget to give us a like, a share, a heart, a thumbs up, whatever platform you're on. If you like this episode, I notice a lot of podcasts, platforms, it's not that you necessarily hit the like button for that podcast that you do it on specific episodes. So there's specific episodes you like, share them with people you think might like them. Hit the like and subscribe button there and leave us a comment. I'm trying to get on there and claim ownership or whatever I need to do to get on all these platforms so I can talk to people. I've mentioned that for a long time. It's just been low on my priority list. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes. Go to dmrpublications.com and check out David Michaela Robertson. Michaela Michelle, whatever it is. Check him out. Check out his articles. Under his article categories, you'll see one called considerations. And people say, what is considerations? Those are the articles he writes and the point of view in which he takes on them that, as he describes, gets him in trouble. As I describe, might get him kicked off social media. So definitely check those out. There's a link to his podcast in there, The Disagreeable Thoughts Philosophies of DMR Publications. And if you are a fan or like his material, you can, of course, listen to his podcast probably anywhere you can hear this one. But what you can also do is go to DMR Pub, D-M-R-P-U-B on YouTube. And on Saturday, not always at the same time, but usually somewhere around 12, 1 o'clock Pacific time in this form of Daylight Savings, he will go live in which he will come on YouTube, talk for five minutes or so, welcome everybody, and he'll play this commercial he's created, at which point he will start recording for the podcast. Then his podcast goes usually for an hour and a half to two hours. He covers a very specific format of things where he talks about current events and things going on in the world. He discusses the economy. He discusses uh, hot zones for possible military conflict and then gives some health tips. And at the end of that, he will do his outro just like he does on the podcast. But if you're watching on YouTube, don't go away when he does his outro because when he stops recording, he will then go through all the comments that were made during the live show and answer or reply to any question or comment people made while he was recording the podcast. So you get a little extra benefit out of checking it out on YouTube. And yes, I've been asked if I'm going to do that. And the answer is no, not in the foreseeable future. I like doing it this way. So thanks for listening. We'll be back again for you shortly right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.